This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Good afternoon and welcome to the Blood Red podcast. We're live on YouTube once more and for a bank holiday weekend, we've something a little bit different for you. We're going to open the floor up to you to hear your questions here on the Blood Red podcast. Your questions, fire them into us. We've got a few ready to go. We're going to get into transfers. We're going to get into title parades and celebrations for Liverpool. And as I say, anything else which you do want to ask. I'm Guy Clark. Alongside me to get through all of your questions, our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, Joe Rimmer and Theo Squires also with us as well on the panel. Gentlemen, how are you all? Not bad, not bad guy. Uh, hair's growing, as, as you can see. I'm getting to a really struggling period now where I'm starting to look like Barry Venison or Jerry Francis, but um, yeah, we're, we're cracking on. Yeah, can't wait for it to, to go growing. full Jerry Francis. Yeah, that will that will be a good look. Joe, how are you, mate? I'm all right. His hair's growing, my hair's going. So, um, yeah, got the old clippers, the lockdown clippers. Locked and ready to go. I'm in a similar position myself. Already been over once, but looking already as I might have to to go again. And Theo, regrowing the beard once more, are we? I've not decided yet. See how we go. See um, if we're back to football anytime soon and then might have to make a reappearance or not. I might stay fresh. Up in the air, we'll see. Well, as I say then, we've got plenty of questions to get through. You're more than welcome to send them in yourselves as well to us here on the Blood Red YouTube page. Just comment in the uh, comment section and we'll get to as many of them as we possibly can. Gorsty, we've plenty to get into. One of the major themes and we best start on is transfers. And one name I'm sure we're going to hear an awful lot about is Timo Werner. So straight from the off, I'll say to you, what is the stance, the latest with Timo Werner? Because there has been a lot of flirting, certainly from the German international towards Liverpool. Yeah, I think that there's becoming now a bit, bit of a maybe a reluctant acceptance from some fans that the likes of Jaden Sancho and and especially Kylian Mbappe are nothing but pipe dreams at, at this point. Uh, they already were to be honest. Maybe, maybe Sancho was a little bit more realistic, but certainly Kylian Mbappe. I was in the room and Jurgen Klopp laughed at the, at the question before the reporter even finished asking the question about Liverpool's interest in him. Um, Where seems to be a little bit more realistic, doesn't he? He's very much well. It's very much an open secret now that. He wants to come to Liverpool. Um, he spent the last three or four months telling anyone who listened how much he admires Jürgen Klopp and the Liverpool project. I'm sure he's a player Jürgen Klopp is very keen on. Um, there is interest there from Liverpool, but the uh, the current situation regarding the finances make it a little bit more difficult. Um, Liverpool do have a good relationship with RB Leipzig, sporting director Michael Edwards is, is on good terms with them there. Taking back to when Liverpool pursued Baby Keita for, for so long and eventually struck that deal in August 2017 to, to sign him around about a year or so later. So um, hopefully that, that could play to their advantage in their aims of bringing Werner to the club. But I think um, people expecting 50, 60 million pound deals to be done um, quite um, periodically over the summer are going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening because it's so much uncertainty now with top clubs' finances. They've basically been unable to earn anything for the last two months and Liverpool are, are not uh, insulated by that themselves. So it will be um, interesting to see what happens. Their interest is still there, no question, but it's a case of whether they can come to some sort of agreeable plan for everyone concerned because, um, you know, Leipzig aren't going to let their star man go for for a pittance and Liverpool can't afford 50, 60 million on one transfer this summer, I, I wouldn't have thought. So there will have to be some sort of middle ground to be found and 
hopefully that is where that good relationship comes into play. Yeah, Joe, on to Timo Werner then and on to the question. Sam Williams on Twitter says, Werner wants Liverpool, Klopp wants Werner. Is it a case of when, not if, he does join? Obviously, finances, as Gorsley was just explaining there, are difficult in the current situation. But given the desire from both parties, surely a compromise can be reached. And that's sort of the, the growing feeling, I think, amongst the fan base. Yeah, hello, Sam. Sam's a, a good fan of the pod, um, friend of the show. So hope you're well, Sam, and hope you're doing okay in this this lockdown, this strange times. Uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I, I, would have, I was going to use the same phrase myself. I do think it's a, a matter of when and not if. Uh, Timo Werner becomes a Liverpool player. I, I think, as as Sam said, he wants Liverpool. Liverpool want him. Um, I'm starting to doubt whether that happens this summer. The the market seems to be different. You, you looked at some of Man United's financial results yesterday, expecting to miss out on 15 to 20 million pounds because of because of what's going on and, and money they might have to pay back to broadcasters. So I think we could see a slightly different transfer market. And Liverpool aren't the sort of club that will just go out and splurge, especially. In such uncertain times, we don't know how long fans aren't going to be allowed back into stadiums. That will have a financial impact, of course. So, look, I think I think Liverpool will remain on good terms with Leipzig. I think they will discuss the transfer. I think it may well happen next summer. Um, you know, I just think that this summer's transfer market will look a lot different. I think there could there's a chance that that loan players who've been out alone and could come back, Grewich, Harry Wilson, and then the likes of Shakiri will all get an extended chance at Liverpool. And look, I'm not saying that Gorsley's a lot more informed than I am, but that's just a gut feeling. And um, yeah, uh, I think Timo Werner will be a Liverpool player, but I just don't see it happening, perhaps in the, in the near future, like we thought. I'd say there's a bit of caution you could have about this one, though, because granted, Werner wants Liverpool, Klopp seems to want him. But if you rewind 12 months, it would have been the exact same about Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich wanted Werner, Werner wanted them, and that didn't happen. He signed his new contract, and it's still up in the air. Um, we'll watch the games at the weekend. And one thing is clear, Timo Werner is the best player in that Leipzig team. And when they're one of the best teams in Germany and he's already outshining them when he's not at his best, it is a matter of time before he does move on to a bigger and better things. Um, if we follow all the reports, it's the likes of what Barcelona, Inter Milan, Manchester United that are also being linked with him. But you'd imagine even with the current market, Liverpool's finances are better than them. So if Liverpool are having to wait, it's not as though these clubs can jump in and snap him up either. So it's just going to be a case of waiting to see if Liverpool is still the best team on the planet in 12 months' time, which I'm sure we all want to be the case. We can't see him having a massive drop-off anytime soon. It is a deal that's still going to appeal to both sides of the, uh, on the table. Yeah, it does certainly seem the case. And on the, on the Werner thing then, uh, Gorsty, in terms of people asking the questions, Chris on Twitter as well, at Liverpool2, uh, Chris, thanks Chris for, for getting in touch, says, do Liverpool push harder for a Werner deal then if the African Cup of Nations happens in January? I know that's asking you to look into a crystal ball and tell us what's going to be happening with this worldwide pandemic as to whether the AFCON does happen. But given Mane and Salah would both be away, does that mean that, that Liverpool, if it's not the summer, even next winter might might look at a deal? That, that, that's a good point, yeah. I mean, I think um, I think before the whole coronavirus situation, I think that would have been possibly at the forefront of Jürgen Klopp's thinking that he's going to be without three of his, well, two of his, his, his front three, and obviously Naby Keita, depending on how he develops, he, he could quite feasibly be a, a key player around that time as well. So it's, um, I think that the thinking would have been to maybe try and bring Werner to the club 
to basically offset what would be a, a big loss. But you can't gloss over the fact that there is a, a worldwide <clears throat> public health crisis that has had such a detrimental effect on the economy across the world and sports and football are no different. So it's not <clears throat> going to be as simple as just being able to carry on and spend like it hasn't happened. I think we, the pool fans are going to have to be realistic as much as they, they wouldn't like to think that the pool are going to be too overly affected by this. But the reality is that they, they, they will be and they are. So um, <clears throat> and with Joe, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be coming through the door in the summer in a 55, 60 million pound deal. Whether they can strike some sort of agreement to bring him in before the African Cup of Nations in January 2021, that would seem a little bit more feasible, possibly. Um, I think that's maybe a little bit more realistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I think football fans, as much as we all love to talk about transfers and players coming in, and, and that's across the board, that's not just Liverpool. I think we're going to have to be a little bit wiser up and, and realising that this is unprecedented times and it's going to have to be one particular year where the transfer may go around and, and the chaos from it all takes a back seat and, and, and we, we, we get on with things. Yeah, it does look as though Liverpool are probably going to have to be more and more resourceful, Joe. And uh, Fidel Alexander from our, our YouTube live chat has got in touch and says, do you expect Klein, Lalana, and Shakiri to all leave this summer? And if so, if those three are to leave, will Williams, Jones and Wilson perhaps get a chance to be the players to replace them? Uh, I expect Klein and Lalana to leave. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm starting to suspect that Shakiri, because of a number of reasons, might might get a chance to stick around. Uh, Liverpool wanted about 26 million, I think, for Shakiri. I don't quite see them getting that in this market, so Liverpool might decide that they're better off keeping him around. And, it, and now he's fit, he might get a chance in the remaining few games to show his worth to Liverpool. We all know what a good player he is. And in this market, it's going to be difficult to go out and buy a, a better player than Shakiri if they can't get someone like Werner. And you know, I think you can't name too many better players than Shakiri when he's fit um, as a backup. Um, but the other two, Lalana and, and Klein, I expect to leave. Um, we were briefed as much in, in recent months. Um, Lalana, I think, will be desperate. He's, he's 31 now, I think, and he'd be desperate to go out and, and get some first-team football next season. Klein, well, he hasn't had a look in for so long. I know he's had injuries, but... Um, it's been very difficult for him. So again, he he will go out and look for first team football. And yeah, uh, Nico Williams. I think you know next season we'll see a lot more of him. And the same goes for Curtis Jones. I'm hugely excited about Curtis Jones. I think he's got bags of talent. Um, really think he he could be the next big thing at Liverpool. And Lallana going will give him the chance to show what he's he's capable of. And I'm fairly certain we'll see a lot more of him. Um, I think he's made one or perhaps two Premier League appearances this season from the bench. Next season, I expect, expect him to make a lot more. Um, I just think he's too talented not to. So, yeah, Liverpool don't need to go out and buy replacements for those two. I certainly think they've got them within the, within the squad. And I suppose the question then remains, Theo, on uh, on Harry Wilson. Obviously, he's, he's a lad that has been coming through the youth system for a long time. A lot of high hopes for him. Wherever he's been on loan, he does seem to have done a really good job. Yeah, if Shakiri's not going to go, would perhaps another loan move work? Because you're probably not going to get the fee that you were sort of expecting for Harry Wilson in the in the current climate. Yeah, I'd imagine that would be a very attractive proposition for the sort of clubs that would be looking to Harry Wilson because they're not going to afford able to afford twenty to thirty million on him anyway. And with Liverpool, it is he's still always up in the air on is Harry Wilson good enough to come into this first team and be a backup option or maybe push on further. 
it's just been around for so long now. And you think it is getting to that stage where he's running out of time to prove his worth. He comes back every preseason, he scores a few goals, and then he goes out again. Um, he's had a good season at Bournemouth. I think he's their leading goal scorer this season, but this is a Bournemouth team that is still in relegation trouble. So it's a big step up again for him to then say, stick at Liverpool and make that impact that we'd say Shakiri would do. But then Shakiri's barely featured this season. Shakiri was obviously relegated before he joined Liverpool. Um, the space would be there if Shakiri did push for a move. But if you're Harry Wilson, do you want to stay around anyway and just be a backup option when you've got the Euros on the horizon? You'll be obviously wanting to be at first choice player for Wales next summer. Um, so when you look at it all on that sort of scale, a loan deal is probably best for all parties until they can reassess again next summer. Yeah, it certainly seems the case. We've got plenty of people getting in touch on the, on the live chat, talking about squad issues and everything. So, Gorsley, I'll come to you with a couple of them, a couple of the names that have come up. One of those, Joe mentioning if the market's not perhaps right for Jordan Shakiri to move on. Another player who's perhaps been in a similar position would be Dejan Lovren. Wonder whether Liverpool would then look to, to keep him on. Kieran B says, I'd love to get rid of Lovren. He can be great, but he costs us too many games. He's a weak link and is mistake prone. And M, don't know what that stands for, but M just says, has Klopp given up on Brewster? So, Dejan Lovren and Rian Brewster, what's the situation with those guys? It's not M from James Bond, does it? No, I don't think so. No? All right, uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think the situation with Lovren is maybe himself would be looking to... I think if he was to move, it would be down to him pushing for a move. I think he'll be 31 in in July, maybe. Um, so uh, there was talk of a move last summer, Roma and, and Sabine, I think, were both interested at the time, and Liverpool became particularly agitated with the way Roma were kind of handling things and, and trying to make their move a little bit... Liverpool basically took a dim view with how they were negotiating behind the scenes. So that transfer got called off and Lovren stayed put and he's barely featured as a result. But we know that Jürgen Klopp's a massive fan of him. You know, you ask Jürgen Klopp about Dejan Lovren and he enthuses about how good he is as a defender. He's got two good feet, he's good in the air, strong, quick. In Klopp's eyes, you know, not everyone would agree, but Klopp says that Lovren is a, is a top defender. So um, I don't think Klopp would be pushing to, to, to get him out the door to, just to have the headache of looking to sort a uh, for choice with the kind of experience and ability that Lovren does have. So um, I think if Klopp has his way, Lovren will stay put and, and he will keep those four centre-backs together. It all just depends on whether the defender himself thinks it's now now's the time. A bit like Lallana, actually, now's the time to be uh, moving on and playing regularly every week because he's only got maybe three or four years left at that level. Um but then the question is, can Liverpool get a decent price for a player who, let's not forget, played in the last World Cup final? Yeah, certainly did. And made no secret of the, the role he played for Croatia in all of that. But final point then on the, the squad issues of the Liverpool team, how it is set up just now. And Joe, I'll come to you with this because I think you'll enjoy the person who's got in touch. Johnny English's sidekick asks... <laughs> Carius or Adrian? We know, of course, Carius's loan spell at Besiktas has been cancelled, but uh, yeah, Carius or Adrian going forward? Do, do you know what? I, I think Carius is probably the better player, but I don't think it's right for him or for Liverpool for him to come back to Liverpool and, and play for Liverpool again. I just think, I think what happened in Kiev will just forever scar him, and I just don't think. It would be good. It would be good for his career. I don't think it would be good for his his um, his health to play for Liverpool again. It 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 was just too 
too big a moment. Uh, I think Adrian doesn't have that hanging over him. And whilst I think uh, a little bit too much was made of how good Adrian and was at the start of the season, um, I still think he's a good, solid, reliable um, number two. Um, you don't want him playing as much as he has this season. You know that doesn't often happen. You don't. You know, Allison's had a couple of quite serious injuries, um, but yeah, I think Carius needs to move on for the good of his career and. And Liverpool and him should just have a clean break. Uh, it's a shame it hasn't worked out. Besiktas it seems to be okay for a little while, but yeah, I think he just needs to go back to Germany and don't go to Liverpool again, really. Yeah, we'll we'll move on then from the the squad issues into the the next theme. If you you are with us on the live chat and want to let us know who your player of the season is, do so. Veronica's already asked us the question: Who is your player of the season? She says hers is Hendo. Theo, she says simply he's a workhorse, and I don't think many people are going to sort of disagree with the amount of work the captain's got through this season. Yeah, Jordan Henderson for me has been Liverpool's best player this season. He's uh, really stepped up, I'd say, in the past eighteen months, two years. And he's just shown his quality. Like for so long, he was almost shoehorned into that number six role. And people thought that was a sign that he wasn't all that as a midfielder. He was just there to fill a role so the rest of the Urban Klopp's midfield could go and express themselves because Henderson didn't have that ability. But as we saw under Brendan Rodgers, he was a very good box-to-box midfielder. And he's still got that ability now. Uh, the fact that he has such an important role in this side helps get the best out of Trent Alexander-Arnold when he's pushed further forward. But then he can go back as a number six with Soes. And I think for so long he was this figure of ridicule. People wanted him out of the club early on in his career. He's had to properly fight back and there were still his doubters. And now we're having this debate about how good does he rank as a Liverpool captain. He's going to be the first Liverpool captain to get his hands on the Premier League trophy, having lifted the Champions League last season. And he's just an exceptional midfielder and it's a, a welcome reward for all his hard work he's done in recent seasons. Other shout-outs you can give to Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I think for the next 10 years, we're going to say at the end of every season, he's been one of the players of the season. It's only a matter of time before he wins PFA Player of the Year. Uh, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Virgil van Dijk, all your usual contenders. But for me, Henderson and Alexander-Arnold are the two that have stood out. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gorsty, you, you follow the Reds, of course, up and down the country watching pretty much every minute that they play through the course of the season. One man who I think this season's sort of been overlooked and over what hasn't been spoken about so much for player of the year contenders and, and the such like is last year's PFA player of the year winner Virgil van Dijk because everybody just seems to have become acceptant of the fact that the guy is amazing in every single game he plays. Yeah, I, I would have actually named Van Dijk ahead of Henderson for my, my player of the season. Just just a final note on Henderson. I mean, he's um, he's the living embodiment of how perception just, just sticks with you. Because we're talking opinions that were formed on him nearly 10 years ago. We're still stuck with him now when he's a, the captain of the pool of 25 points clear, going to win the Premier League. Just lifted the Champions League and he's still got this tag of not being that good. So um, that, that that is a shame. But uh, yeah, Van Dijk has been... Fantastic once again. I mean, he kind of just become used to, to how good he is. He never looks ruffled, never commits himself. Um, that's one one thing I've seen. He, he never kind of charges down. He doesn't have to be waits and waits for the attacker to make the decision, and then he he'll invariably get his block in or take take it off the toe of the strike. He's just I've never seen a defender like him. Liverpool is absolutely incredible, and, and this is someone who watched Jamie Carragher for years, watched Sammy Gippier, one of my heroes growing up. Um, Van Dijk is just. 
an absolutely incredible footballer. Um, so I'd probably pick him just above Henderson, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sasha McCoyne is it? Those two have been fantastic. And I suppose the other major contender, Joe, plenty of people mentioning this guy's name on the, the chat on the side of side of the screen, is Sadio Mane, because again, this year he's just taken his game to another level. Yeah, I thought he was exceptional last year and this year he's just continued that. Um, he's definitely within the top 10, 5 players on the planet right now. Um, just, just a brilliant footballer. I'd probably go for Henderson. I think winning the player of the year is... I think it's almost about the story as much as it's about just pure form. You know, if you think back to say Ryan Giggs winning it, um, even Salah when he when he scored his forty four goals, it, it was it was about as much about the story as it was their form. So I think Henderson should win it because I think being the first Liverpool captain to lift the Premier League trophy, it, it means it means a hell of a lot to the club. Um and yeah, the you know, the the fact that he's had to battle back from such protections. But hey look, I, I can't believe that we not enough of us talk about Mohamed Salah. I mean Here's a fella who is, because he scored 44 goals in his first season, has sort of reinvented what we should think about our forwards to such an extent that when he scores 20-odd goals, we sort of shrug our shoulders and go, oh, he's had an all right season. And, and I think, how often does he have to be brilliant for us to all appreciate how good he is? I really hope he's not someone that, when he eventually does leave Liverpool, that we, we sort of forget how good he is because he's, he's just exceptional and he's doing things that... You know, the likes of Torres didn't do, uh, Suarez didn't do. He's scoring 20-plus goals every season, and that deserves a mention. And, you know, had he not scored that 44 goals in his first season, I think we'd all be sitting there now saying, oh, Salah for player of the year. Um, but he'll always be judged against that. Yeah, he's had an exceptional year. I think that the moment of the season was his goal against United. Um, and I think that was the moment the Liverpool fans probably believed that, yeah, the title is, is getting wrapped up, so... He'd, be, he'd probably be my choice. Yeah, that, of course, the, the moment the cop burst into we're going to win the league. Well, on the league being won then, just going to go off the, the, the Q&A for a moment. If you do have any questions on this, certainly do get them in, but something that perhaps not many people are sort of jumping to the top of their minds. But Tom Werner, Liverpool chairman, Gorsty, has been speaking with the Associated Press over the last 24 hours about, obviously, the situation Liverpool are in right now. and oh. no. Oh. We've lost you there, guy. Yeah. Oh, you cut, I, he seems to be back. Go yeah, on. I was going to say I can hear all of you guys. So hopefully the the technology does yeah. hold up. But yeah, on the on the title parade, of course, everything's going to be finished off behind closed doors this season. But a, a bit of a glimmer of hope, something to look forward to. That when it is safe and uh, everything can be done proper properly, Liverpool will celebrate this title in the right manner. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it should go without saying, but there's a lot of lot of knaves out there who, who try not to, who tries to conf, conflate it with, with something else. So it obviously, when it is safe to do so, but Tom Van has been speaking about the potential trophy parade for Liverpool winning the Premier League, and he was basically saying how um, how how much he enjoyed last season with the Champions League, when 750,000 people lined the streets of Liverpool to welcome on the the heroes after Madrid, and then. Um, He's got a taste for it now, hasn't he? So uh, he wants another one. He wants a Premier League title triumph when it is uh, medically safe to do so. And um, he said someone someone told him at the time, if you think this is big now, wait until you win the Premier League and then you'll see see a proper parade. So if it's possible, uh, the City might even break the one million barrier for that celebration um, when it is declared safe to do so. And I think that is uh, what all Liverpool fans are pretty much 
looking out for RB down the line, whenever it may be, because um, the, re- the reality is they're going to win the Premier League trophy behind closed doors, so they're not going to have that moment. Um, so that they're looking ahead to what will be an, an incredible day of, of per- parading the trophy when, whenever it is safe to do so. I mean, we don't know when that's going to be, obviously, but um, hopefully it's not too far away in the future. I think it gives um, Klopp and the side the perfect motivation going forward as well. Like You think um, 2018, they reached the Champions League final against the odds. No one expected them to. Obviously, they lost in Kiev. And it's like, right, we'll go again. And then they go and win it in Madrid. And that's that great belief there, that great feeling. But they go so close in the, the Premier League title race. Jürgen Klopp comes out and says this squad deserves another year. And now they've pushed on. They're going to win the league. It's only a matter of time before they clinch that when football is back underway. And rather than just rest in the laurels and accept what they've won so far, they've now got this added motivation that because of all these circumstances, they can look to next year and say, last year was great, we won it in such style, but now we can win it properly, so to speak. We can give the people the celebration they deserved 12 months ago. And if they can go out and just deliver on that and carry on these standards, it's another. it should be another incredible year for them. Yeah, certainly. And something to look forward to. Well, on the issue of looking forward then, Sam Williams on Twitter, who... As Joe, you said before, friend of the show who's got in touch with us previously, he had another question that he wanted asking, and so we'll go into it now. He says, where is Minamino likely to fit in next season? Is he a number nine? Is he a wide forward? Or is he an eight? He says he likes what he's seen from him so far, but he thinks he'll benefit massively from working on a specific position moving forward. I think that's a great question. I, I... I haven't haven't liked him as a number nine so far. He's played, hasn't he? Um, when Firmino hasn't played, and I just think it's a very specific role. It's 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 a difficult role to replicate, um, especially when you're not asked to be an out and out goal scorer. You're asked to to replicate what Firmino's doing, and, and that is it's almost impossible. I don't think many players on the planet could do that. So, haven't enjoyed seeing him in that role. You know, I, I thought he would play as an alternative to to Salah or Mane. Um, or perhaps as an advanced midfielder. So that's where I'd like to see him. And I think, again, you know, we, we had that conversation about Werner. If they did get Werner, I think he would be your, your second choice, number nine, when he'd be in, he could operate out wide. So Minamino could play in one of those wide positions or, or as um, an advanced midfielder. But, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. Um, it seems to be that Klopp sees him as the alternative, number nine. So perhaps we'll carry on seeing him there. Um, I'd like to see him. Outward, I, th- I think coming in um, and, and operating as sort of inside forward, um, he seemed to do that well for Leipzig. I'd like to see him do that for Liverpool, and I think that would help him settle a little bit more if he's asked to do perhaps a, a less complicated role. Yeah, as Sam mentioned there, though Theo as well. One thing I hadn't really thought of with Minamino, and I know we we've spoken a lot about Naby Keita on this podcast over the course of the last year, though, is could Minamino play in that perhaps number eight position if you've got the likes of Fabinho and Henderson offering that solidity in midfield? Would that perhaps open up the middle of the pitch a bit deeper than in that attacking line for him to be able to to do some work in there? Potentially, I think it's what made him such an attractive signing for Jurgen Klopp. The fact that you could play him up front, you could play him out wide, or you could play him in this midfield position. Obviously, in the past uh, two years, we have seen Shakiri occasionally fielded in the midfield three in that attacking role. Uh, beforehand, Coutinho was in that midfield occasionally. And it's one where when Liverpool can be so dominant in games, especially at Anfield against these deeper sides, you could afford to have him in that role and it would be one where you're going to get him on the ball more and you should hopefully see the best out of him. But as we haven't really had a chance to see him consistently, we haven't seen his strengths as such apart from that one Champions League game at Anfield. 
So it's a big ask for a player who can do it well in Austria, whatever position he's put into, to come straight into the Premier League and make that immediate impact when the pace is so much quicker, the physicality is so much more. So it will take some time, I think, for him to be able to settle in and say, yes, you can be a midfield option or you can be a, a competent number nine out wide, it's a bit easier, isn't it? But you occasionally go, you're going to go more, you're going to miss go missing more in games. So it's one where he does need to find his role. But until he's settled down more, Jurgen Klopp, it's going to be like horses for courses. If there's a certain game where you can bring him on in any of those positions, and it's going to make a difference and hopefully contribute to getting the win, you'll bring him on for that game, won't you? For that, those right reasons, um, there's plenty more to see from Takumi Minamino. He wasn't signed to make this impact to win the league in the first three, four months at the club, he was signed as this long-term prospect. And you'd imagine we're not going to really see the best out of him for another six months, a year's time, depending when football gets back underway. No, certainly. And Gorsty, on Minamino and the versatility he has, a name that's popping up on our Q&A on on the uh, live chat on YouTube is Kai Havertz, a guy who similarly would be a versatile option who could play in one of those midfield roles, perhaps out wide or even as a number 10. But given Minamino only just signed in January, as Theo was saying there, perhaps about the patience, would a move for Kai Havertz perhaps not make sense? And of course, given the financial outlay it would cost as well. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, I don't think I've seen a number below 100 million euros for someone like Kai Havertz. haven't seen too much of him, if I'm honest, but um, he seems to be someone who's who can play a number of positions, but more of a almost like a box to box midfielder, shall we say? Um, seems to get, get get himself a fair few number of goals, I think. But um, I think you know we've we spent so much talking about the difficulties of the transfer window, and even if this was a, a normal year under traditional circumstances, I think even a, a mega money move for someone like Kai Havertz is probably still some way off. Um, he might feel that he still needs a couple of years at uh, at Leverkusen or, or in Germany, kind of you know finishing up his 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 game. So um, that is one that I don't see happening. No, I'll stay with you, Gorsty, then, and we're going to move on to the managerial situation at Liverpool. Of course, Jurgen Klopp, the man at the helm, the man bringing good times to Anfield right now. But Matza71 on Twitter got in touch to say, in terms of succession planning looking forward, is Pep Linders the man to take over once Jurgen Klopp does move on? Yeah, we, we get asked this question quite a lot, don't we? And I, I think it's it's probably too early to judge because managers' stocks rise and, and sink very quickly in football. So someone who's a big name today might not be in three years down the line or, you know, someone might have honed their reputation over the course of, of one season that's still a couple of years away. So it's a very difficult one to judge. I mean, I think Pep Linders does seem to be someone who has impressed so many at the club. I mean, just going to his, his press conferences early in the season when he filled in the League Cup games, you get that he's a real, real passionate about his work and, and he speaks with so much sense in, in the same way that, that Jürgen Klopp does. And I know he has a quite quite a, a large influence in the terms of the, the day-to-day workings at Melbourne. So he's someone who will be in the, in the thinking when Klopp decides that enough is enough. But, um, you know, we're talking, what, is, what are we talking, three years down the line when... Someone else might be the, 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 the big name in European football, Julian Nagelsmann. Personally, I'm a big fan of Nuno Wolves. You know, th- th- there's quite a few you can think these are, are young managers who are going to develop and grow and see their reputations um, expand over the next few years. So um, it's too early to say who is going to be next in line. But uh, I think the Bill fans should just enjoy your club while he's here. 
I suppose, Joe, though, Liverpool do have that rich tradition with the boot room and everything like that. And whilst obviously times have moved on and things are a lot more scientific than what they were back then, it would be nice in many ways for whenever Jurgen Klopp does move on that somebody who is already entrenched in the ideas that have taken Liverpool back to the top were there to to be able to carry on the work. Absolutely. Um, like you said, our football's moved on. And I think Gorsi's right. It's it's a fair few years down the line at this stage and it there's so many variables that will that will that will judge how this how this situation comes to pass. I mean, it depends where where Liverpool at the time. If Liverpool have right the summer to football still and have won a couple more Premier Leagues, perhaps in, in the running for Champions League then yeah, I think they probably will look to, to continue the good work Klopp's done and, and perhaps promote someone like Pep Linders. If that's not quite the case, if they're going through a bit of a transition, then they might look for someone new. Um, Gorsi mentioned them. Julian Nagelsmann, to me, is, is such an impressive young manager. Um, there's something about him, you know, a bit of charisma like Klopp had. You know, quite often you'd, you'd look at the, the Bundesliga when Klopp was at Dortmund and just think, he seems right. And that's how I get that, the feeling I get about Julian Nagelsmann. He just seems right to me. He seems to have the charisma, he seems to have passion and he seems to be tactically um, very, very clever. So, you know, could they go for someone like that who would be a very big name? But then two or three years down the line, he could be at Bayern Munich, could be unattainable. So we shall see. I think um, I think at this stage, it's too difficult to tell. Um, obviously, Pep Linders will, will be in the running. Um, but, you know, we don't know. Could Steven Gerrard be in the running? It depends, doesn't it? It depends whether he stays at Rangers and wins some titles whether he moves on, does good, a good job elsewhere. So it's it's very hard to say at this stage who's going to be the next Liverpool manager. Yeah, it, it is very difficult. You mentioned the name there, Stephen Gerrard. Theo, we did a podcast last weekend talking all about Stephen Gerrard's playing career at Anfield. There would be something magical, would there not, about though Stephen Gerrard returning and hopefully getting that Premier League winner's medal as a manager that, of course, he, he wasn't able to, to win as a player. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard as a player was superhuman, wasn't he? It was like Roy of the Rovers stuff that he made all these headlines, he got all these goals in cup finals, and the only thing he was missing was the Premier League title. And it would be very fitting with that narrative if he did return to his boyhood club and carried on the success and was this great as a manager. He could win Premier League titles, Champions League titles. But football isn't really like that. It's a cold business. It's not really got that room for sentimentality anymore. Uh, Liverpool have been burnt in the past by bringing back a legend from Rangers and Graham Souness. You only need to look to Manchester United now with Solskjaer to see it doesn't always work out as much as you want when this club legend comes back as a manager. And it's just very hard to say what would make him a success because it would be so hard to follow Klopp. He's won the Champions League. He's going to be the first Liverpool manager to win the Premier League. You're going to have to be something special to be able to follow him, not have fans missing Klopp and just carry on with that success. And it's very easy to say Gerard would have that immediate rapport with the fans and everything. But will he have the managerial CV? Will he have the ability there to pick it up? Um, we've seen in the past with these great players as managers, they're fine at these smaller clubs. I know Rangers aren't a small club by any means, but with these lesser players where they can still carry that idolisation, go, oh, I'm playing for Steven Gerrard. But when you're in charge of these elite players, the name means less. Like If you don't agree with how they are as a manager compared to the greats you worked with before, it's not going to work the same way. It's just a very hard one to call what would be the right decision. If Steven Gerrard could come in and be this managerial great, I think it's what every Liverpool fan wants to see. But he's got a lot of work to do to get there. 
And just because Jurgen Klopp in the past has said he is who he'd want to replace him, doesn't mean it's going to be the right call in 2023, 2024. Well, that was only the first part of the question from Matzer in terms of Pep Linders. We've gone into other potential candidates to replace Jurgen Klopp. But Gorsty says the, the other issue he's got, he says, also, do you think that with the possibility of at least two truncated seasons due to the current situation with COVID-19, that Jurgen Klopp might actually be tempted to add a couple more years onto his current contract. Of course, he only signed that in the winter that runs until 2024. I wouldn't have thought so. He signed it in December, the need to keep him going on, as you say there. And I don't think what is essentially might be three or four months, five, six at tops. Um, I don't think that'll overly influence his decision-making going to be years down the line. So, um, as much as it'd be a nice idea that Clark decides that he wants to stay on um, longer to, to kind of carry on the, the work that he's doing now, I think um, he's more than happy with the contract he signed in December. It'll take him up to nine years at Anfield, which would be the longest run at any club because he had seven years at Mainz and seven years at Dortmund. So um, I think Klopp and, and his backroom team are more than happy with the way that that um, situation has played out at the moment. Yeah, it is one of those that we'll have to, to keep an eye on. But that about does it for us here on this edition of the Blood Red podcast. A uh, Q&A special for you. Thanks to everyone who's got in touch with us, whether it be through social media or whether it be during the uh, recording of the podcast itself live on YouTube. All that's left to say is to uh, to yourself, Joe Rimmer, Theo Squires and Paul Gorst. Thanks a lot for joining me. To you as well for sending in your questions. Until next time, though, here on Blood Red, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.